behold! The sword of power. Excalibur. That should do it. <laughs> and now I'm just going to assume that that's going to work. <laughs> Great. Let's just do the thing. That's my plan. I didn't do an outline for today. We are going to leave all this in, obviously, because <laughs> we're loose today. I'm not drinking because I do have to go back to working on my chapter about dick jokes and Harvey Birdman after this recording. Uh, it's very important. I have to be sober <laughs> to formulate the best dick puns possible for I the am, writing of that paper. I, I am I am editing a book. I'm just going to drink this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a good I'm, book. Well, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Are, are we recording this? Is this part of the show? Well, I yeah, I guess so. I'll do a little intro, but yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give your. Content. Um, I am. I am like literally trying to like, and I'm four days after when I said I'd be done when I when I would have chosen them, but I'm still trying to narrow down um, submissions, abstract submissions for to like I like. I had told myself that I was going to get between, I wanted to have at least 12. I wanted to have at most 18. Um, I am now down to 21 and that's more than, and yeah. I, I think I might hit 20 and be like, it's just going to be a long book, but it's, but it's, but we are, we are very much in the, Oh, uh, I, I mean, I, it, it's a good problem to have. I have enough submissions to, I mean, legitimately, I could do three books if I wanted to. Like, I've got a lot of abstracts. And so it's just like, oh, okay. That's that's a lot. And um, that's a good problem to have, I guess. It's better than, like, trying to, you know, go, oh, I hate all these. What am I going to do? No, it's it's that I like them all. So if you're listening to this later and you, like, didn't and you, and you, like, don't get chosen, it's because this was, like, painstakingly aggravating trying to get through all of them because I cannot... <laughs> So that's where I'm at. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. We're on a plus week because we're doing our annual holiday special. We debated whether to do one. Nice shirt, Mav. I did notice <laughs> I am wearing my snicked shirt, which is off camera. Sadly, I feel like I always wear a cool shirt, shirt for these holiday specials and it always gets lost to my cropping of my spot. <laughs> but um, but yes, this is our annual holiday special. As I said, we debated whether to do one, but you sent us a ton of fun questions. So we had to get together and answer those and celebrate the season and also give ourselves time to decide what we're doing for the final four episodes. So, you know, it's a win, win, win. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Let's just take a week off. 
Um, I am Dr. Anna Papard. I always forget that there's going to be an audio version of this, so we might as well introduce ourselves because you're not <laughs> seeing our lovely faces if you're just That's listening true. to it on your podcatcher. You know what the stuff that I do, sexy, gendery stuff. I was already talking about dick jokes and Harvey Birdman. That pretty much tells you all you need to know about me, plus my very unofficial job as Kurt Wagner's PR manager, um, which aligns with those other interests pretty well. Mav, give us a little introduction for this year's holiday special. I'm, I'm Father Christmas. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Clearly. Um, hi, my name is Christopher Maverick. You can call me Mav. I'm... <laughs> I'm doing great. It's like the, I I don't remember I don't remember what order we've recorded to what hasn't 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 come out yet. But like I'm done with grading, so like, you know my life's do, my life's going great. Other than the thing at the beginning oh, where it's like yeah. where it's like hey I'm I'm struggling to figure out which um which of these essays I want to accept. But that's a that's actually a fun problem. So mm-hmm. um but yeah I you know co-host this show and another show called Vox Popcast. I'm a Teaching assistant professor of digital narrative and interactive design. My title is way too long. I do like, so long, man. I, I, it, it it really is. Like, really, <laughs> I just want to be like, I teach cultural studies, which would be like way simpler and like more accurate to what I do. But like, they you know just they want us to have like you know have your title in your in your signature, and I'm like, but it's it's really long. <laughs> teaching for for like even my rank teaching assistant professor that's way too many words and no one knows what it means and it's like and it sounds wrong i that's weird academic problems um but yeah beyond that i'm on I christmas know. holiday I, you know I'm, uh, like i'm taking a break from uh, decorating my tree um to to do this because we the tree's been up it's, I mean, people know the tree's been up but my <laughs> wife um the tree's been up since uh the, the since right after thanksgiving but my wife and i tend to put our um our decorations on literally the week before christmas sometimes christmas eve we do All right. uh, well we used to All do right. so i used to have a party it's where from i used to like do this thing where i'd um either me or my one of my old roommates um one of us would invite everybody over to their to the house whichever house um we were living in and um and we'd have like a tree decorating party where every year because i don't have kids so there's no like tradition or anything so every year i would just buy like a whole bunch of very generic blank ornaments and then i'd invite all my my friends over and we'd get drunk and we'd decorate ornaments and that's what my that would be my tree decoration that year. yeah that was that's that fun. was like that was like my big christmas tradition and then covid happened so we just haven't been doing that and <laughs> and now so, so now it's like oh like I think like so Andrew you've got kids so probably you decorated your yeah. tree like <laughs> I don't know in October sometime I, yeah, at some point you did <laughs> you did it's a been tree. a while yeah yeah whereas us it's like oh there's a tree we're you know middle-aged you want to do that today no maybe tomorrow well maybe you know so it's a lot of that so we'll probably work on that tonight I had a big productivity day when my dad had knee surgery last week and I was waiting around for him all day and I was really stressed out so I got home and I was like Fuck it, I'm gonna go cut down a Christmas tree. So I did. I went out in the field, awesome. cut down a Christmas tree, sawed it down. Well, I had to pick a saw. That was important. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything Sweet about saw. saws. Sweet so saw. I picked I picked the saw with the best name. It was razor saw. Awesome. So I took my razor saw, went out there, cut down a tree, and then I was just like, I'll decorate it later. And then I was like, I'm still waiting for him. So I just decorated it. And then it was 4 p.m. and I was still waiting for him. And they ended up keeping him at the hospital. So, you know. <laughs> Can I just, fine. he's fine he's fine that's awesome yeah can <laughs> yeah. i just cross over pitch my other show real quick we like three weeks ago i think maybe four <laughs> i lose track we did a whole episode on christmas trees and christmas tree traditions and um 
and we talked about the difference between uh so there's four of us on that other show and very much in four different corners of the United States. And one of the people, uh, Monica, who's been on this show, um, Monica is an L.A. girl. So she was like just astounded by the very notion that anyone might chop down a Christmas tree. And so mm. just just as a, as a crossover, <laughs> just like <laughs> it's like, here you go. There's not even not even going to a Christmas tree farm. You just went out back with an axe is what you're saying or a saw. I have many spare trees and I cut down a juniper tree, which is the most garbage of garbage trees. So uh, the wilderness is not going to miss it. Anyway, Andrew, we need to get to your introduction. Yes. We've barely heard you so far. How are you doing on this eve of the holidays or maybe your holidays are already begun? Where are you at? I'm good. The kids have one more day of school and then two weeks with the kids, which is delightful, but tiring sometimes but really <laughs> lovely uh yeah so no that, that's gonna be nice i um uh my productivity thing this week um i outlined um a sequel to the claremont run book that i've been planning for like six months um which is really really fun uh and it's called the claremont kink uh and i i'm excited oh. to actually start writing it I, I was hoping it would just be somebody else it'd be like like instead of the claremont run it would just be like you know the you know the default the run, it'd be like, run it'd be like four obviously. issues <laughs> Scott Lundell. Mm -hmm. Lundell had a, he had a good two or three years on x-men i think didn't he oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he was there for quite a while yeah he, he had he i mean not 16 but you know he had a reasonable size mm -hmm. oh my god andrew that's so exciting not content to rest on your laurel laurels <laughs> as a best-selling comic studies author <laughs> Well, isn't that's a, a Christmas like... present to all of us, Andrew. So thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, isn't a laurel like <laughs> that little that little you know leaves that you put around your head? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was a, like the back of a of a, like a blazer. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. Like Let us know in the comments. I, I I mean laurels like <laughs> like classy. I know like laurels are like shrubbery, but it's like the the crown that Caesar wears. Yeah, you know? like, that's, yeah. that's definitely one laurel. I don't know which <laughs> is the one in yeah, the okay. expression. Neither uh, I. That's, that's probably what it is, and I'm probably thinking of something stupid. I don't know though, because it doesn't make sense. Why would you rest on like the the tails on the back of your jacket make more sense? Yeah, we're all English majors. Can you tell? <laughs> Literally, none of us know this thing about. It. Given how much time we've devoted to this question, um, <laughs> surely we can devote a solid hour to all of the excellent questions sure. <laughs> that we have from our listeners. We're also going to draw uh, names. For some prizes, Andrew has very graciously offered to give away a copy of his aforementioned best-selling book, The Claremont Run, hard to get since it's sold out some places, including our country, possibly. But just go to the University of Texas website, see whether they've got copies. Do go out and buy a copy on Vulture's list of Christmas gift ideas and, as Andrew just said, available digitally. Always available yeah. digitally. Can I stuff the ballot box? <laughs> <laughs> I we actually, are not entered to yeah, win copies um, I, I well again I, I i got my free copy from um my my review copy where they were like do you want to <laughs> sure i'll review this book <laughs> i mean i got a copy from andrew by doing what you any academic or you know anybody oh, writing yeah, about yeah. stuff you know should just do this as a technique i want to cite you in a thing would you be able to send me a copy of your book so that i can do so Mm -hmm. works every time <laughs> narcissism <laughs> naturally so yeah we will be drawing for some prizes later uh, we're giving away andrew's book and i'll make you a t-shirt for the second prize Yay. always happy to make folks a t-shirt 
So uh, yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later, but let's start off with some questions. We got some fun ones. We got some serious ones. I don't know that we're going to get to everybody's question, but we'll get to a bunch of them, go for about an hour and, and just see how we do, give you the content as it were. We are going to start out with what I feel like should be a very easy to answer question, but I am curious about whether we'll all give the same answer. Christian S. Uh, on Blue Sky would like to know um, which character had the best costume throughout the run of Excalibur. I'm assuming we're we're doing the whole run since we're almost at the end. So the any costumes that any have been character. featured. Any character, any costume. I'm not limiting it. Okay. Andrew, you're biting your lips so you can go first. Um... In terms of endurance, in terms of a costume that's still somehow relevant today, I think you have to give it to Kurt. Uh, it's an iconic design by Dave Cockrum. Uh, everyone knows it. It's widely associated with that character. It's the com the costume that anyone would picture thinking of that character. So yeah, I, I think I think he kind of takes it. It's such a strange costume to have endured for so long. Yeah. I often have mixed feelings about it, depending on people how people draw it. Always love that it's an arrow on his crotch. Way to go, Dave. That was a good choice. I love the white gloves. Great for articulating his hands and feet. You can't ever get rid of that. The shoulder things, I don't know. I could take or leave them depending on how people draw them. But yeah, yeah. right where we're at in the run, he's, of course, gone back to the classic costume. And yeah, we'll be seeing whether he goes back to the classic costume as X-Men gets back to basics and they're relaunched in July of 2024, which the internet is having feelings about. But, um, but they're correct to have feelings about that. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we won't get sidetracked by that. Mav, best costume. <laughs> of the people who qualify as actual members of Excalibur, I'm actually not going to pick probably what anybody thinks I would pick. Um, I would say it's a tie between Megan and Megan. Um, yeah. I actually I actually like both of Megan's, when drawn correctly, like mm -hmm. I don't need her to be wandering around like, completely naked like i think they overdo the second the third costume i don't care for the orange costume i mean it's fine but it's just clothes it was just like this is the thing that she wears um whereas the green m costume um that she gets during cross time caper and mm -hmm. the costume that she's currently wearing in the run which is sort of a green jacket um that is sort of um i like those a lot i like the green m costume because it just feels very her i like the um um, mm -hmm. I like that she has, um, you know, thumb thumb gloves on <laughs> on, oh, on it. So good, um, the which dream. I, yeah, which I which I love, and she also has them on her feet, which is just, or at least yeah. the way Davis drew it, which I just thought it was adorable. And um, I love that she has, um, like, it just sort of fits the aesthetic of what I think of that character being. And if you're going to update a costume to '90sify it. I think Megan's '90s costume is a clinic in how to do that correctly. Um, I hate Kurt's um, Kitty's. I think I've said before. <laughs> I actually, I'm actually more okay with Kitty's '90s costume than most people, but because it is, it's an X Men costume. It's just you know, it's just the X Men uniform. Um, and I, but I, I don't care for Brian's '90s costume. I don't care for. Um, I don't care for a lot of them. But I think that um, across all marvel hey we're going to do the young blood thing um that that like became like the standard for the industry for a good decade she's one of my very favorites so that makes so those two costumes stand out for me i was 
Megan's costume, the green costume, was high on my list, too. I mm -hmm. like that it captures sort of the essence of the character. Like, she is a very feminine character, but she's got a tomboyishness to her as well, like, because mm -hmm. she is this bruiser character. And I feel like that costume really captures that. It's like a costume that I would like to wear. Mm -hmm. A costume that I would not particularly like to wear, but which I thought was going to be the obvious choice for everybody, is Rachel's red costume. I thought oh, that's what everybody it. would choose. No? Don't like it. Because, <laughs> I mean... I've never liked it. Uh, mm. Love the character. I've yeah. always, um, I mean, I understand the narrative reason for it. Just always thought it looked stupid. I, I mm. like, I, I thought it looked stupid back then. I mean, like, it works as her villainous slave costume because it's supposed mm. to be the slave costume. It, it doesn't work as, it's not aesthetically pleasing bondage gear to me as an artist. Like, I mm. could have done it, it, like, I, I like that it has no zippers. I like the, like all the narrative reasons behind it, like sort of makes sense. But as far as a aesthetic fun to draw, I, it, I find like it might be the least favorite of Rachel Summers costumes that I can think of that she's ever had. Um, wow. I, yeah, I, um, I would rather draw her if I'm going to, if I'm going to just kind of be sketching her, I will sketch her in the purple leotard before i will do that and that's not and i don't love that costume either that's stupid looking but like i think it's more interesting than the <laughs> than the um leather bondage suit um i now on the other hand like i really love her marvel girl costume the green and yellow one that she that, that, that she wears much later i love that i love her current costume as prestige i love a lot of rachel costumes this is probably one of my <laughs> least favorite of hers wow, i love her asgardian fired. wars costume her asgardian wars yeah. Phoenix costume is great sure What's know, the defense, me, Anna? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I just, I mean, like you said, all the narrative reasons, which we've talked about on the podcast, ad nauseum, so I won't go over them again. But I don't know, in terms of iconicness, in terms of like, you can see, you know, just a little snippet of that costume and know who that is, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like yeah. got the good thing, you know, the Peter, the, the Coogan thing of like, the superhero costume of like, you know, it expresses the bi biography of the character, you know, that's that narrative reason again. And sure. like, yeah, to me, it's like, it's got all of that, you know, it's just when I think about some of those iconic images of, you know, Rachel fighting, I want to say like iconic images of Rachel fighting Necrom. I don't think a lot of people remember the fight with Necrom, but if you like mm -hmm. read those comics and see those pages, the pages themselves are iconic just in terms of their visual representation. So like, yeah, to me, hey, are you, you're talking about her, her, her dark Phoenix costume, not her hound costume oh i'm confusing the two because the necron pages are the dark yeah, phoenix costume. are the dark phoenix costume right no yeah, i am talking great. about the reds i'm talking about the red spikes costume i am oh, confusing the okay two, so that's okay. on me that's okay. on me so maybe that's a point mm -hmm. in uh, a knock against my choice since yeah, i love the dark images. phoenix costume but that's you know not just hers no i know i don't yeah. like it as much mm -hmm. because it's not just hers it looks great but mm -hmm. like Anyway, anyway, we're going to do another style question, and then we'll do a more substantive question, mix them up a little bit. And this is a Rachel question, which this question is from Alice Crowell, and it is, what other superhero could pull off Rachel Summers' Excalibur era haircut? Harley Quinn comes to mind immediately. Oh, interesting. Huh. There are not that many like ladies with short haircuts in superhero no. comics and the times that they have done them i've had i mean they just they don't draw them well a lot of the time it's just like i think about like when they tried to give dazzler that short haircut mm -hmm. and i just i'm like for one i just didn't think it suited that character it just wasn't mm -hmm. 
I got what they were trying to do, but I just didn't, I wasn't nuts about that look for that character, who I feel like is very femme coded. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was just like thinking of, I was thinking of other members of Excalibur. I was like thinking in my head, I was giving each of the members of Excalibur the racial haircut. And I was like, I mm. think that they would all look good, except that Brian would look very much like a wrestler, um, which may or may not be a good look <laughs> for him, depending on your taste. I, I saw that question. And I thought, OK, so this is in, in this might be just showing my age because I was reading. all I was a teenager reading these books at the time. And the answer is I was there for the 90s and everyone had it. Everyone had that costume. It was the mullet. It was the hairstyle of the gods. And like and and at one point, um, Rachel and Sue Storm were drawn identically. Yeah, uh, just the, just the one's hair was blonde and one's oh, hair was yeah. red. And um Hated it for, for for Sue Storm. Doesn't work for her. It, um, one of the problems is it's not um, the way mullets were drawn in the late 80s or early 90s in the comic style doesn't look like a real mullet. It is like the simplification of the artwork, even if you're going to go, you know, squiggly line, Jim Lee style, even if you're going to go like, but the simplification of the artwork doesn't look like a realistic mullet. So it doesn't even look like, like a Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. It looks like this weird, even more butch than I think the real, like the real short haircut is going for, you know, a, a, a less gendered um you know a androgynous look and it doesn't even do that in a comic in, in the comic sense so it works for rachel in a way for me at least that it didn't for dazzler who had that haircut it didn't work at all for sue storm when she had that haircut it didn't work um for who else a bunch of people had it. i think storm had it briefly um but in a transitional trying to grow grow her hair back out from the mohawk to the like in the mark, mark silvestri age um like there were so i think lots of people tried it um kitty definitely had it uh art adams tried to do it with kitty and again in in the asgardian wars um era it's trying to be the rain sinclair look it, it worked best for rachel is the answer yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't draw comics, but I just like, <laughs> I've had, I've had many short haircuts. Mm -hmm. I've had a shaved head. I've had all of the haircuts, but I just like, I don't know, like big hair is funner to draw, isn't it? I mean, yes. I feel mm -hmm. like that's why, why when they do the mullets, sometimes they end up getting all flowy at the bottom. Cause it's just like, <laughs> you want to draw the hair for the motion, you know, mm -hmm. Superman's mullet just gets, you know, more and more intense on oh, the yeah. bottom because, you know, you got to have that hair flowing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's it's a tough, it's a tough dynamic. It's cape logic. It's like, you know, why, why does Batman of all people who, the who absolutely should not have a cape realistically mm -hmm. has a monstrous billowing thing. And it's because it's to express the action of the character. And you just, you know, particularly when you're using the simplified cartoony art style, that's better with more stuff to draw. I know. I feel that way about like Carol Danvers hair because like as much as like I like the idea of giving that character shorter hair, she's a flying character and it's just it's hard to resist the allure of drawing long hair for a flying it's, character. It's so why she needs the sash. It. It's why she needs the sash, mm -hmm. right? Like does you know why True. like why does she have a sash on all of her costumes? Cuz you want something to go flappy flappy when she's flying by. Mm -hmm. You need it. All right, here's a more substantive question for us. And I think this is a really good question and it got me thinking a lot. 
So Just Medic um, on Blue Sky Social asks us, as we near the end of the series and you can look back on all the guests and conversations, was there any particular guest or conversation that significantly changed your perspective of that particular issue? This is a good question. Good question. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, because I feel like this is something that we've sort of revisited on other holiday specials. If you guys want a moment to think, I have an answer, and then I'll let you, I'll let you do yeah, yours. Please. Yeah. I was thinking that our conversation, because we've had Quentin Harrison on the podcast a couple of times, mm -hmm. but we had him on for the for uh, Carlos Pacheco issue, and um, yeah, I've really been thinking a lot about his affection that he had for that era of Megan, because like we've gone really hard on not liking Megan in the post Davis era. Mm -hmm. But he talked a lot about finding a lot of inspiration in her character, you know, her combination of like sort of like soft femininity and power and how he was really drawn to that. And I really have tried to keep that in mind when I'm thinking about the character. I mean, there are just some things that have happened to her in the Rob era that have just been so misogynist that I can't. Right. But I have been trying to keep that in mind in terms of like, you know, keeping the complexity of gazes and interpretations in mind. So so Quentin, I, I carry I carry your interpretation of Megan in my heart and and want to believe in that version of the character. And it really made me think about it a little bit more than I think I had been. Uh, I think I'm maybe a safe answer, but I, I thought um, Stephanie Burt brought a lot of perspective to the end of Alan Davis's run, that things that I hadn't considered as much in, in terms of representational politics um, in that era. Um, and that made me appreciate a run that I don't think I did appreciate enough um, the first time that it came out. Good answer, good answer. That's still one of our most popular episodes, our episode on, I think, Excalibur 67, I think. We talked about queer temporality and all kinds yeah. of wonderful things. Always a delight to hear Stephanie talk about anything. Friend of the pod, Stephanie Birch, who went viral recently for her Taylor Swift course at Harvard. Oh, <laughs> oh is That's that hers? Awesome. <laughs> I didn't I don't know that I I saw I mean I didn't make the connection I mean it's weird because I know Stephanie and I saw people talking about the Taylor Swift course but I guess I never paid attention to who was actually teaching it that's cool that's Stephanie's course <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of awesome <laughs> it is awesome I know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all the folks that know her have been just like basking in like the oh I know that personness of that as they're like talking <laughs> about it on CNN and stuff no, anyway, Mav, do you have it? Do you? Have... Yeah, oh, no, just that. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just still. I was like, wow. I don't think I ever noticed them actually say the name of the of the professor <laughs> of the class. Like, wow, I do know her. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I so this is gonna come up several times because I am notoriously bad at picking favorite anything. Hence the thing earlier about like how hard it's to narrow down and edit this book. Um. The one that stands out in my mind right now, and I might have said this before, because we've talked about this in previous episodes. Um, I like, uh, I don't remember which issue of it is, but it's one of the issues of Girl School from Heck when we had Valentine on. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Girl School from Heck is not my favorite storyline. It's fine. Um Part part of me has always like it's just like I've never gotten why everyone else loved it so much. 
Um, whereas I, like, it's not like I hate it. It's not like I, ne I was never like, oh, this is awful. I was just like, oh, this is kind of weird. And um, I think my big problem with it has always been I always felt that Kitty was separated from the rest of the team way too long. And it got uh, she to an extent that it got annoying and then nothing comes of it at the end. Right. Like the ending of the story is just she's back. Oh, and her powers work now. And let's just forget everything. And so so that always irritated me. But then having Valentine on the show and then just her entire discourse around the jacket. Mm -hmm. I was like, OK, jacket game. You, you got you got me on it because because it gave me something to sort of hang on to with that storyline. And that made me enjoy it more than I otherwise would have. So that's a so in the spirit of what was actually asked in the question, that's one where it's not like like I said, it, it's not that like I changed my mind to where I'm like, oh, my God, this is my favorite issue or because I, I don't. And it's also not like I hated it before. And now I like it. Now. I was kind of indifferent now. And then it became it's much more that I enjoyed the conversation than anything else, which I think is what I actually look for. I mean, this is. This is a, I don't, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but that's like sort of why one becomes a professional English major is because like I would I love having a conversation about something, even if it's not my favorite thing. I, I love the insight of mm -hmm. listening yeah. to somebody explain why they why they love it. Um, so so that that I think, you know, that moment, um, particularly her pure glee at just tracking from panel to panel who has it. I was like, okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right. I, I understand. This is, this is why, this is why we love a visual medium. And that's kind of how I felt there. So that, that I think would be my answer. All time episode. We love you, Valentine. <laughs> um, okay. This is, this is a fun one, which I'm choosing to interpret in a certain way. So dweller in darkness on blue sky asks, this is a series with a lot of almost romances where characters chat, flirt, and maybe get a little physical, but never consummate. What relationship would you like to have seen right on the page? And full disclosure, I did interpret this as like, which characters do you want to see fucking on panel? I'm not sure if that's hmm. what the intent was or whether it was just like, you want to see them like in a relationship. So you could take it in whatever direction you want. Um, I am going to use host privilege to say I would have liked a sexy scene between Kurt and Cerise. I want to know what's going mm -hmm. on there. I want to know who's in what position, who's on top and who's doing what. I have many versions of it in my mind. But yeah, I would have liked Alan Davis to draw something a bit unclothed and sexy between those two. And we didn't get it. And I long for it. Maybe someday we'll pay him a lot of money to draw it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the two of you any that you could take that in whatever direction yeah, you, want. you don't have to take it in the direction that i did <laughs> i have to think about it a little bit because i because i have to interpret it both ways now because i i very much interpreted it the other way when i read when i read through the questions earlier so andrew you can go first if you want sure um i don't know if this is too obvious for me um i, I would say colossus and megan like mm. the idea that megan would get to have call it a revenge dalliance or uh you fucking abandoned me after getting engaged to me dalliance i kind of like that and the way that the story was written was very much as if they did have a dalliance except they actually canonically didn't um so seeing that actually play out seeing megan get to be with another lumpy guy who this time doesn't condescend and patronize her except he kind of does <laughs> i think that could be kind of really i guess she's into that <laughs> yeah, oh I, I think that would make the, the Brian reunion much more interesting, too. It, it would create that conflict. I, I'm, I don't know. I, again, in representing Claremont, I always talk about 
he tortures his characters. He he, he makes them do the unthinkable things and then kind of gives them a chance to redeem themselves. And I feel a lot of writers will go close to that cliff, but not quite jump off it. And Rob was real close with, with that Megan Colossus relationship. So I would have liked to have seen that become canonical. I'm still thinking about my interpretation of the question. And I'm like, ooh, she could like shift into metal and like they would both be metal <laughs> mm-hmm. and have metal sex. And but I was that like, take is that away sexy or not? Of the Kurt one, right? Mm, Wouldn't it be stealing true. its thunder? I guess so, but I'll allow it because my my B choice, again, just thinking about the sexual implications was that I would like to see Rain and Doug Locke um, in a sexual situation because there's a lot of interesting textures involved um, and I would enjoy seeing that. Anyway, Mav, do you have an answer to that one? Yeah, um, I'll answer it both ways because I, I, I initially interpreted it as, you know, who should have gotten the chance to actually you know explore a relationship not the physical kernel i just want to see them draw it because i interpreted it as as a what would they have done what could they have done in the world of marvel code approved comics more so than um because those are those are two very different questions um so for that i you know anything that is a is an interesting story that like i i will take any I've never been one for shipping my own thing. I want to see what you do and do something interesting. And the aborted one that like could have always been explored that I actually always found interesting was there's a point and it's more in X-Men, but it, Excalibur had a chance to take this up and it doesn't. There's a point where Piotr and Betsy are into each other in yeah. X-Men that like sort of in the Outback series that they're building a relationship and then we just have to do a reboot and like go through the siege perilous. And so it just never happens. But I was always a fascinating relationship to me that I really wanted to see them explore more. So that's like a relationship that I want to see. Um, as for seeing the, you know, the usage of the powers, this becomes a much more interesting question because since Marvel never does it, you know, um, I, I have done a lot of research for various projects into, you know, porn comics. Um, a lot of it's uh, fandom online. Um, there's a, a porn comics and also porn videos. I know um, Anna and I have talked. I don't know. We talked about it on the show, but we've talked between us about the work of like um, Axel Braun, who is this um, who is this pornographer who basically makes parodies of Marvel and DC comics and where he just his you know hey let's let me make my version of this character of this famous scene from the comics and then they have sex um but the sex is always very boring in bronze cases because he 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 said himself he's not really interested in it he's interested in doing his take on superheroes <laughs> and it's like in order to get away with it it's like okay now i guess sex happens whatever somebody else directed i don't care um and but then i compare that to um uh, there's a there's a fandom writer named Tracy Scops that if you want to if you want to do some non safe not safe for work googling look at the work of, of Tracy Scops who writes a lot of porn parodies of mostly Marvel some DC stuff um, very good work and often comes up with very inventive uses of super sex so because in my head I'm still you know a 13 year old boy who fell in love with a 13 year old girl named Ilyana Rasputin pretty much any pairing with with her you know um in in excalibur world because of where the characters were in excalibur i wish she and kitty had had that moment um 
to where I would have absolutely totally been all about that. And if someone drew that today, I'd be like, yeah, I guess I got to read this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I guess that's where I'm at. Um, and, but beyond that, any interesting usage of powers, like the, the thing that Anna was just saying about the metal skin of Colossus, like I, that, that fascinates me. Right. Like, uh, like, like it always, it always makes me think whenever somebody does, you know, like if you're looking at like, um, archive of our own one of the most common things to, in in this era is always rachel summer stuff and there's two ways you can do it you can just write a boring sex scene where rachel is there or you can make full use of telekinesis which you absolutely need to use make full use of telekinesis so like i want to see it doesn't really matter who i just want to see you try to do interesting things with powers mm -hmm. that is very fair and I'm, I'm still thinking about some of those possibilities but i'll try not to be too mm -hmm. distracted because we don't need that <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh, we have so many good ones. I'm trying to think about which ones would be our best ones. Um. All right, I'm gonna do. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this Twitter handle, but it's XDP Chris. X. DP Chris. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> Who I know has been following the podcast for a while. Um, each of our favorite pencilers on Excalibur, who is not Alan Davis. We've had a lot of not <laughs> Alan Davis for a long time now. Um, so this should be a question that we've had a chance to think about. <laughs> we've had so many really good artists do some of their worst work yeah. on Excalibur, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> um, I mean, go ahead, Andrew. Right? No, you go ahead. I want to. I'm curious whether you're going to give the same answer as me. So, I thought Laroca because I enjoyed watching him. Oh. Develop, but he wasn't good yet, but I enjoyed the development. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a similarly young experimental artist who was good out the gate, I would say Joe Mad. Uh, oh, okay. His issues were delightful. They were really, really good. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. How about you, Mav? Uh, I was trying to decide between those two. So whichever one Andrew doesn't want to be his, that would be mine. Um, I, I, I mean, it's, like I said, I'm horrible at, at favorites, right? Like who's your favorite artist on Excalibur? Well, I've said several times, um, like I love, I'm a huge Ron Lim fan. I'm a huge Strowman yeah. fan. I'm a huge Marshall Rogers fan. All three of them have done Excalibur and did not like particularly like any, <laughs> any of their work on this book. So, so it's like, is the question who's my favorite artist? Well, it's you know one of those three. Is it who did uh, interesting work on Excalibur? I, jeez, I guess between Joe Mads and Pacheco, I think Pacheco was doing more interesting stuff. But neither of them, like I think in both cases, it's I like seeing what this person was and going there's something there that kid yeah. has a future and then fast forwarding 15 years and being like i was right you know like, <laughs> like, like yeah i don't know like, like i think that's where i'm at yeah i gotta go pacheco i mean he defines that second era of excalibur for me so much though that i thought he did so many more issues than he did it it's was like a six shock or seven me. isn't it i know yeah. it was a shock for me going <laughs> like... back and it was like oh it was this few issues yeah like, a ton of these ones that i thought were pacheco were actually uh joe casey and i was mm -hmm. like oh <laughs> that is surprising because when i think about that era and i think about affection that i have for that era i think of the pacheco issues because yeah i mean it was i think it's the only I like the Joe Matt issues a lot too. That was a good, that was a good pick. I think I was thinking more recently than that. So I, I didn't think of it, but that's, that'd be my second choice. But I, 
but yeah, I, uh, if there's somebody that I wish could have stayed on that book for, for a little bit longer and really mm -hmm. defined the look of it, that, that would have been nice to have more Pacheco. Mm -hmm. Um, where do we want to go next? Okay. How about this one? Uh, Victor on Twitter asks us, he had a couple of good questions, so we'll see if we get to both of them. Um, what issues in the whole run were the hardest to review? That's easy. Yeah, Is well, it? I think Mav should go first. It's, go. I mean, it's 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 easy. Uh, well, the 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 hardest to review is easily Weird World Three, which is why we didn't do it. We ah. just like we like. I mean, it's not. And I know. And I mean, so behind the scenes, we voted, and it was unanimous. We just didn't want. Like, we just literally like, uh, do we want to do? So, if you're wondering, we all hate it. It's awful. It's uncomfortable. I have nothing redeeming to say about it so we were just like well we could skip it and so we did you know so so that was for me it's not even a question that was that was the easiest one um i think like you like you probably sort of expect if you listen to our show you would expect uh me to say things like you know like we we've talked about this now. for me theme exchange is like my my least favorite comic ever but i very much enjoyed doing for me theme exchange on the show because what the only thing that's redeeming about that series for me was sort of discussing it with people and listening to people have and, and I, I mean I know I did the bit where I was like defiantly not discussing it when we recorded those shows but that was a bit like I actually thoroughly enjoyed those conversations so like that that wasn't hard at all that was actually quite fun because I didn't feel like I also didn't feel the need to try and dress it up or say that I liked anything like I was it was you know it was a relief to just be like no this is garbage and I'm just gonna say it's garbage um so um the I, I would I would totally rather review a really bad comic over a mediocre one. Um right. with the exception of Weird War Three, which is just it's there's no <laughs> reason. There's nothing redeeming. And so I saw no reason to go back to that. Yeah, I, I was when I was trying to pick ones, I was like, ooh, it's always it's the mediocre ones that are a struggle because you're just like, there's just nothing. Because like I like to try to find a guest who has a bit of a hook with the issue, and when it's just there's not something in the issue that I can really identify as a hook, that becomes really weird. But I've got also got a cheat answer for it, and then I'm going to come back to you, Andrew, um, which is that the hardest um, episodes to book are uh, 122 and 123 because <laughs> we're right at the end, and I have yes. <laughs> folks who want to come on. But it's a challenge because it's like, well, we only have a few episodes left and I want to make sure that we're sort of, it's hard dropping because I, I do like the dynamic that we've had in some earlier episodes, you know, dropping somebody in that sort of doesn't know X-Men or doesn't know Excalibur. But, you know, at this point, I feel like we need to do a lot of reflecting because we're so close to the end and just dropping someone in. It's not really a good time. And then you're like, do we want to go for like, quote unquote, big name guests, whatever that means? Or do we want to like, anyway... I think we're going to end up having just some of our good friends on and have a, a nice fun time toward the end, but we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, I've really been struggling to figure out mm -hmm. what to do for our final few. But Andrew, do you have a response to this one? Which, which was the hardest for you? Um, I, I think for me, the hardest were the sort of um, episodes immediately after Claremont left and the episodes immediately after Davis left the second time. Just because you get that sense of like loss. Mm -hmm. And Mav's pointed this out, and he's 100% right. It's unfair to be evaluating someone else's comics after they've replaced Alan Davis, after her writers replaced Chris Claremont. Um, yeah. And just that, that that sense of the air having left the room. 
I thought was really kind of kind of heavy and as a scholar it made the job really challenging um and, and I don't even think I handled it well and I do think I was too hard uh, on Lovedell and Pete Wisdom and a few other key things <laughs> in our podcast. all right this question is from our friend Joe Jarowski and it's relevant to what you've been up to this week Mav so this one Joe is or the John? On Oh, it's John. Who did I say? Did I say said Joe? This is, yeah, this is yeah. from John. Sorry. I was, like, Joe, I was like, did Joe ask one too? I'm like, I thought, yeah, I see John. Joe did not. One. This was John. Sorry, John. Mm -hmm. um, so this one is based, says John, on Mav's current project. Who is the best Excalibur supporting character? Or oh. as we are all academics, who would you most want to write an essay about? I believe inspired by your uh, yeah. <laughs> Batman, Batman, not Batman <laughs> <laughs> collection of marginal supporting characters. It's a good question. Yeah. Because we have a lot of them. There's a lot. It's <laughs> good. I was gonna say I'm I'm torn on the twins. Like I, I don't know if it's Alisand or Alistair that I, mm. I would be most interested in writing on. Alisand for potential, Alistair for execution, but I think Alisand uh -huh. had more potential that wasn't realized. Alisand is a more interesting character. She's yeah. she's not actually in Excalibur all that much. The right. the things that we remember her being interesting for actually happened in X-Men. And that's only, it's in four issues. Like she's yeah. not, she only has like a dozen extant issues of comics, like total. Yeah. Great. But she and, she and Amanda became mermaids together and she wanted to do it again so badly. <laughs> Maybe in heaven. Yeah. What do you think, Mav? You got an answer to this one? Yeah, well... <laughs> Again, I'm horrible at picking favorites. Um, <laughs> I think that there is, I think if we're asking which supporting character is, I think, most a part of the book, I think the answer is Moira, even, especially at the end. But even mm -hmm. before that, she comes back several times. And I think, um, I think, but I, I don't know that I have an interesting Excalibur essay in because because john asked it as you know as a scholar i don't have anything interesting to say about her in excalibur um mm. as a supporting character um i think she's more interesting in pretty much every everywhere else she's ever she ever is um it would be mm, it would be for me i think either die thomas who we have not seen in a long long time and i think there's interesting I think there's a lot of interesting hooks that go into what that character is or wants to be positioning Excalibur during that era or to go a very, very different way. It's going to blow everybody's mind. Rory Campbell? Why? Because <laughs> you defend I am not going to defend it. <laughs> Um, if, if you're doing it, if you're doing it as a, uh, if you're doing it as an essay, as an academic essay, I you think could write a whole essay I, about like continuity and like well, failures I, of shared universe. Yeah, but yeah, I think so much went wrong. Um, I think yeah. that I think he is. I think Rory is a he's a picture of trying to just fix a retcon by jamming another retcon mm -hmm. in and just because Ahab again was supposed to be cable at one point and then you make right. him Rory and then it's just like there's so much of a let's just do this 90s thing and then we will set up the gross relationship between him 
and Rachel if she's destined to become his slave, and then we'll just kill her off. So then nothing like like literally everything about that character is fascinating. Nothing's good, but it's fascinating. <laughs> and that's kind of why I like I probably so John knows this since he asked the question. Um John like has done books where he where you know, his adapting Superman book, he was like, what do you want? And I was like, I take Smallville because I want the challenge. It's literally the longest Superman thing that's ever been done in another in other media. And I mm -hmm. did all of it. And then his most recent book, which is, I guess I can say this, it's not out yet, but the book that's coming out, I wrote a chapter on The Gifted, an X-Men spinoff that no one cares about except me. <laughs> and I was like, let's talk about this. And I went deep because I was very, I was very invested in that. So I, I like the challenge of essays like that. When my, mm -hmm. I mean, that's hence the entire point of, hey, let's do a whole collection on minor supporting characters because I want to make everybody do the kinds of things that I like, which is the weird stuff. <laughs> oh my God. I love that I went last because my answer has changed three separate times. <laughs> <laughs> but which, you know, as, as, uh, as a character, you know, what does this like, what does this literal widget you know mm -hmm. sort of do for for our plot and push it forward and then like the transformation into kitty there is a lot there but my other answer was going to be because andrew got me thinking about it and i don't know that i've mentioned it on the pod before so on the off chance that i haven't mentioned it um alistair stewart is me for sexuality reasons as we discussed he has the most sexually explicit panel mm -hmm. in the comic uh during the cross time caper mm -hmm. And also, friend of the pod, Margaret Galvin, go check out her book, uh, her new book, Invisible Archives, which is awesome. But Margaret sent me, when she was doing research for that book, um, a fanzine. Uh, I think I can talk about this. It's the kind of thing where it's like, because it wasn't an archive, like I can't tweet it or anything because, you know, it's, you know, copyrighted, owned by the person who created it. But I think I can talk about it. Um, she sent me like a fanzine, like from the 90s, that is like, you know, a porn thing based in Excalibur world that's Alistair and Kurt from like a queer fanzine and somebody mm -hmm. had done this. And mm -hmm. like, just the fact that that exists and mm -hmm. that somebody was putting those characters together and was like intrigued by those bodies and their context. And like, not in like an X-Men fanzine, like in a queer fanzine, they were like, sure. this is what I want to put in this space. <laughs> so like, I feel like I could write a lot about that on its own. So... Yeah, that's that's a dream that probably won't be realized. And I'm again, I'm sorry that I can't share that with the Internet, but I assure you it's fabulous. <laughs> Maybe one of us will get into the archive to, to, to do that at some day. Well, I can certainly I, I might have already sent it to, to you guys privately, privately, but um, I don't remember if not. <laughs> and you want to see this, um, you know how to reach me. Um. Okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. We've got time for a few more. Mm, what would be a good one? You mentioned right, Widget. Well, well, while you're looking, I was just you. You mentioned Widget as your sort of your your. Mm -hmm. Just this is this is a weird, and there's no way for us to know. So this is one of those things where that we don't do a lot on our shows, but it's just weird speculation. Do you think they meant for Widget to be Kitty, Kitty at the beginning? I mean, I feel like we talked about this at the time. I don't think so at and, all. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it's funny because it does, it, it works in terms of her always having a connection with Widget, which yeah. does, that becomes interesting in retrospect, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I just like I just I it know. just it, it was always a like I like even when we reviewed it here, it's just like like and I know it's coming and it's just going. Yeah, it just still doesn't make as much sense as I think they they like <laughs> it's like oh okay it, it it never it always like I I never really had a like I never had a question of who Widget is in the, you know while reading it it doesn't feel like a mystery where you're like oh my god wh who is Widget where did he come from I was perfectly fine the entire time with no you made Widget by you know cramming a couple of mechanical things together and Tweedle Dope just goes bunk robot. Okay, that yeah. was, I was fine. I was fine with that being the origin. So <laughs> it wasn't something that really bothered me either. I mean, I, I do like that. Presuming it's a retcon, retcon though, like because like I often thought back to some of those early scenes with Widget and like Kitty working on Widget and everything, and it's just like, oh, the tragic dark context that that brings to those scenes yeah. when you know that is really striking. And yeah. like again, it does add something to that. So mm -hmm. I mean, I like but it something's for that unrealized. Reason, but... yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. because once you find out who Kitty is, I'm who Widget is. Widget leaves the storyline. Like there's no like yeah. it's not it's not like there you go, oh now we know and now let's explore the weirdness of having two Kate Prides at different points in her lifetime, you know, on this team at the same time. No, Widget's just gone. So all right. This one I think is gonna have an obvious answer. Um because the item that is the obvious answer to this is included in the Comics XF gift guide. Which you can find at the Comics XF website. Um, my one and only Adam Rack wants to know, <laughs> since Bamf dolls got super creepy, which, you know, that's neither here nor there. I don't know if I completely agree with you there, Adam. Um, what should the next plush toy, the Excalibur crew exchanges be? I really feel like the obvious answer is Lockheed. It's Lockheed. And there is a Lockheed plush that, yeah, you know, just came out in time for in time for Christmas this year, which is adorable. Uh, I had to strongly resist the urge to buy one, but does anybody have a different answer for that, or are we united on on that front? No, it's Lockheed. I <laughs> not a little plush Pete wisdom in your life. I mean, you could stick pins in it, or you could just dye your John Constantine doll. That would work. Amazing. Can we do the? Can we do the Pete wisdom question? The or well, the least favorite character. Um... Oh yeah, we can. Who submitted that one? Um, was it Dan? Yeah, I think it was Dan because because <laughs> he because he says you he says break your heart if I say wisdom, so that would make sense if it was Dan. Ah uh, yes, Dan Grote, our dear friend, asks <laughs> which member of Excalibur worked the least for each of you. Please yes. keep in mind, yes. I will cry if you say Pete Wisdom. And my answer isn't Pete Wisdom. Mine, yet, mine so. either. Like he said that I I have a I have a very obvious one, and it wasn't I mean, Pete Pete Wisdom. We might have complained again, but it's the same thing. It's like I, there's value in being a character that I have. I a was negative excited, on. excited when he joined the book. You go back to those episodes we did, mm -hmm. the one with Liz Large, where we were reading the mm -hmm. fan fiction and talking mm -hmm. about Pete Wisdom nipple play. I was there. I was excited. I oh wow, the Pete Wisdom. Yeah, when we were. Yes, yeah, that was. Fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> I yeah, because that was where I started googling it live on the air. That was that was great. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was great. Um, so yeah, we've had our a... moments with Pete. He's not my answer either. But anyway, go ahead, Matt. What's your all. answer? Oh, it's easily Micromax. Not even mm. close. <laughs> uh, there's no point. There's, I mean, it, not because because what we said earlier. Like, I would rather talk about something I hate than something I am completely indifferent to. Yeah, Micromax 
I, okay, without looking it up, I defy you to think of anything that he actually did the entire time he was on the he was on the team. How many issues was it? Why? What was it like? <laughs> it is literally a entirely forgetful. What's his real name? <laughs> Three people with PhDs in comics who've been doing. I do this not remember. I Earnestly don't, don't remember. Who've literally been doing for the last three years a whole podcast about this book? Can't remember his name. I like. I, I know not, he's a it's DJ. It's not even like I don't remember. Like I remember the DJ thing. It's not even like I don't remember. It's like you know when there's information that you like. <laughs> are antagonistic towards like if like i don't have space in my head yeah. for this i refuse to learn it it's yeah. like when my dad is trying to teach me how the furnace works and i'm just like i don't care i just want to know whether i have to call the furnace company to fix it <laughs> and he's like no no let me get you out of diagram it's like no i'm defiantly no. not going to learn this yeah. and that's how i feel about micromax's name yeah. i know he has a name and i'm defiantly not going to ever learn it there's like in our house, when you know, when we we pay bills, like what happens? We'll pay bills, and then I will just leave them in the middle of the floor. And my wife will say, "Well, they go in the filing cabinet." And I say, "I don't know where." And she says, "Let me show you for the fiftieth time." It's like, no, I don't want you to show me because then you will expect me to put them away. Whereas instead, I can just be a child and leave them in the middle of the floor, and then you'll take care of me. And she hates Weaponized that. Weaponized incompetence. But like, I, I was, I was. But it works because I don't know where they go. Comic, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good strategy. <laughs> I don't know where they are. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, I, I just, I, I feel as though I, you know, there are other things where, you know, like, I, I, if, you know, you know, I think we've talked about like this, is, I have a whole smart home um thing going on ecosystem where I can control lights and stuff. I live in Forge's house, as Andrew has said. One um, plaza. Yes. But if I die, Steph can't work our house. <laughs> there's, there's the, She'll it's going to be in your house. <laughs> yeah. Like, good, <laughs> good luck locking the door because. <laughs> Because our, you know, I have biometric locks on my front door. I mean, like it, I've gone all out, and you know, I, that's my job. She knows where bills go. I don't know where that goes. But <laughs> I have no idea. I'll give you my bank account number if I don't have to deal with. This. <laughs> I'm sure we've all got. I'm sure we're all like that about something. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew, do you have a? I don't remember what the specific wording was. A most useless yeah. character from this. Well, one. I, I think it's a really weird situation in Excalibur because when you're in a group book, you're, you introduce new characters, they take you into new genres, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I noticed in Excalibur related to what Mav says is that they kept introducing characters who took them into a new genre, and then a writer left and they didn't want to do that genre anymore. So, like, Micromax has the potential to bring you into that sort of subversive Alan Moore territory, uh, um, sort of undermining the concept of the superhero. And Scott Lobdell's not doing that. Uh, <laughs> and then Farron comes along and he, he brings you back into the mystical, the sort of Merlin and Roland mythology. Uh, and Rob doesn't want to do that. So so I think one of the things that stands out for me to maybe Dan's question a little bit is they were sincere with Pete Wisdom. Ellis comes in, gives you Fox Mulder and goes into the alien spy genre. And they stayed in it for a, a pretty decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. So so to me, that's that, that's. I mean, why I find these characters useless, it's not the fault of the character, it's the fault of the direction of the book, um, and why I think Pete Wisdom is by no means yeah. uh, the worst character, because they they pursued him, man, they, they they let him take the book in his direction for quite a while. Um, I believe that the most useful, but did you answer then? You said you said it's not Pete, but did you have a, did you have a Farron, um Honestly, even Doug Locke, because he, he brings you into the techno sort of yeah. um, um cyberpunk world and didn't really explore it either mm -hmm. yeah doug like i feel like is our most underused character if that had been the question because we just keep talking about the potential of that character and mm -hmm. it just never 
gets where we want it to go. I think, well, I think Doug Locke at least had a storyline and Theron had a storyline. I honestly don't know why Micromax was there. Like, I think they just didn't get to it. And that's why I picked him over the two of them. I think that that's fair. Uh, I'm going to go Chaos. Do we remember Chaos from Excalibur? Oh, wow. Okay, nice. You might not have been here. You might have missed that one. No, I do remember the character, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chaos with a K. Chaos, sure. Mm-hmm. The '90s mm-hmm. has um, has a trading card, as I recall. <laughs> but you know, again, respect. It was that writer's D and D character put into a comic book, so respect. Um, I think we have time for a couple of more, a couple more, and they're going to be sort of retrospective ones, and then we'll get to our our prize draw. So I feel like we've talked about this before, but I'm going to do a variation of it. So JW on Twitter asked us for our single favorite issues from the entire run. Mm. And I think that we've we've visited. I know these are all favorite. I can't do these. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at this. (laughs) But I'm going to I'm going to modify that one too. like we can do favorite issues from the whole run. But I think also it would be interesting to do favorite issues like a favorite issue from the post Davis era, because it's no mm-hmm. secret that we've liked Sorry. that era less. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, my favorite Excalibur issue is Excalibur 43. We talked about that at length when we covered it. So that's not a surprise, but I wanted to also pick uh, a post Davis favorite issue. And it is going to be Excalibur number 98, which is um, Ellis and Pacheco. It's the one where they go to the base and it's just like a lot of explosions and they blow a lot of shit up and it's just really well executed and well drawn. And we talked a lot about that when we talked about the issue. And for my post Davis pick, it's that one. I feel like it's the issue where what I some of what I would have wanted to see from Excalibur paid off in a way that it didn't do in the supposed climax of Ellis's kind of story arc because it just didn't come together as well but that particular issue just solid issue solid issue Hmm. all 20 20 whatever pages so yeah you can the two of you can take it in either direction if you have a favorite post davis one or if you have a favorite any point in the run one what do you think andrew uh it's mojo mayhem of course for Mm. best issue ever i i still think that's one of the most brilliant pieces of subversive pop art in comics history um which is a, a big statement uh and then <laughs> after davis i don't know they kind of blur together in my head a little bit but i would say early Pacheco I issues i really liked mm-hmm. uh again just the vibrancy of the art and we talked about it in terms of excalibur being an elite book in the marvel universe again that was really lovely to see and there's a lot of high drama happening there was a lot of big feelings and emotions um yeah so so even pacheco's first or second issue uh on the series i, I think were standout um, yeah, I think I really you're, you're picking the same issue as me, basically. Because am I really? Is it the exact? Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. So because Andrew took Mojo Mayhem, no, no, you can too. We can oh team. my god! Absolutely, wow. no, absolutely. But I mean, absolutely love Mojo Mayhem. We talked about that at length. Um, sword is drawn. The original. Um, I love no, as far as which is you know the, um, and. Uh, I've also said this before. If I have to pick a top 10 list or even a top one list, um, don't ask me again in five minutes because I will not give you the same answer. Um, if it, like Sometimes I'm doing a top 10 and I've changed my mind on 10, 9, 8 by the time I get to the 3, 2, 1. So, so like I, I, I'm, I'm flighty <laughs> like that. But right now, the one that's standing out of my mind, I just was just looking, is Excalibur number 92. 
And everybody's like, what is that? Excalibur number 92 is the issue where Piotr joins the team or not joins the team. It's where oh. he where he shows up yeah. and he beats the ever living crap out of Pete. Good Wisdom, choice. And he's wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's and and, and it, it, it is what I like about it is not the fight because I've said this before. The fight doesn't make any sense. Pete Wisdom should be dead. There's oh. no Pete Wisdom is a flesh and blood human being of a man who, you know, has laser finger powers like Colossus is a truck, and if a truck punches you in the face, you should die. That's how it's that's how it's supposed to happen. He is a, he is a semi that went to your face, so that doesn't make sense that he lived, but okay that he lived. <laughs> what I love about that story is the conversations in that issue between Piotr, um, Kurt, and Kitty. Um, this is three longtime X-Men who have moved on from what their relationships are and they have to address that. And I love, I love, um, I don't hate Peter Rasputin the way many other people do. I actually love the character in his flaws. Um, so I, and I don't even, I think I've said before, I love the Kitty Peter relationship because it is so broken. Um, and that, that makes it interesting to me. And I love that this is the issue where she says, you know, how dare you? And she dresses him down for that because that shows a lot of growth on yeah. her part. Um, and I, I think, and Kurt has one of my favorite moments in the entire series in that issue where he just tells Piotr, no, I, I, I think of you as a child and, and it's just, it's harsh and it's, there's feelings behind it where you go, Oh my God! And he's right, and it, and it, and it, and it's the it's the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Speech, yeah, and it, and, it, and it really does sort of it does sort of um, build their characters for me, and then it also gives you the opportunity to after all of that, and after how horrific everything of is, hurt basically saying, so now I'm going to lie to the professor so that you don't go to jail, and like it's it, you know after all of that. As, as mad as everybody is at Piotr, it's like you're going to be on this team now because you're my little brother and I love you. And that's I, I that I love that that moment in the series. So that's the one that sticks out in my head right now. Good, good choice. Um, just in case we lose Andrew, let's do let's do prize no. draw. You're okay. Well, let's do prize draw anyway. And then I've got like a couple of wrap up questions that I think will speak to us wrapping up the pod and where we might be going next. So I've got, for some reason, a cowboy hat because it is the hat that I had available. <laughs> um, let's do second place first, which is going to be a custom Not that book. shirt by me. <laughs> like it won't be, be the first book. Place, but okay. It should definitely be first place. <laughs> got all the names in this hat here. We're going to see who we get. All right. Chris Maverick. Is it? it is not. You're not. <laughs> you're not entered to win a prize. Brian Priesman on Twitter. We will be getting in touch with you um, about your T-shirt. Uh, I will be sending you a DM after the episode drops. Now we are drawing for a copy of the best-selling Claremont Run book. Oh, my God. So lucky. So lucky. Let's go. Who's going to be the lucky winner? Dun, 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 dun. Me again. <laughs> Still not you, Mav, Damn but it. it is 
It is, I know, a longtime follower of the pod whose question we read, Christian underscore S, um, oh, Blue Sky great. Social. So I will be reaching out to you, Christian. Uh, I'm so I know sorry, you're... Christian. I hope it's not boring. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not boring. I, am, I, you I don't know homework. Christian, but no Christian from around. <laughs> and I think that they are going to be very thrilled with that prize. So congratulations to both of you. I'll reach out on those respective platforms to figure out how to get your stuff to you. And thank you so much for your questions. So two sort of wrap up questions to, to end our holiday special. This is one, we had a couple of similar questions. We had one from Natalie Dan and one from um, our friend Sue Wisterfield that were kind of similar mm -hmm. in terms of like where we would like the team, would have liked the team to go afterwards. And I think we're going to end up discussing that on the podcast, but I'm going to do Sue's question anyway, which is, where would you have liked the book to go if it hadn't been canceled? And like, I was thinking about this because I originally read it like, I don't know why I read it this way, because this is not what you wrote, Sue, but I read it like, well, the book's canceled, but like, where would you like the characters to go if it had still been canceled? Like, you know, would you like it to be a different series or something? Because I have a lot of feelings about what happens to the characters when they go back to the X-Men um, it actually reminds me a lot of what's kind of going on in the current books because these are cycles that happen to X-Men from time to time. But yeah, I thought it would be a fun question to consider. I mean, like, if we're going to write a better comic, <laughs> where would we have liked these characters to go? I mean, would you want them to still go back to the X-Men just in a different way? I mean, like, what would never. you want for them? What do you think, Mav? No, never, never going back? Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say never. The team's... Uh, never. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with a world where um, um I, I think I've, we've talked about this. I, I like the Krakoa era better than some of our other fans do. Um, what I like about the Krakoa era, among other things, and this is also true of like where the Avengers goes, I like for multi-team teams to be able to slide between it. I'm okay with a world where Rain can go from being and can walk out of the pages of X-Factor into the pages of Excalibur and be in it. So I, I don't want to say never. But I do, you know, like maybe sometimes, you know, maybe maybe Kitty at some point does go back to the X-Men. That's fine. I do like the idea of a Excalibur team that has come to terms with the fact that they are different than the X-Men. And that's OK. It's in our I think our most recent episode that aired, but maybe it was two episodes ago because I lose track. Um, but where Peter Piotr has that conversation with Kurt, where he says, it's OK for us not to be the X-Men. We do things that matter here. And that is I want that to be the story. And if the team evolves to where the X-Men, especially at this point in comics, were a paramilitary strike team um and they were going to become more so especially with like extreme x-men coming which is where kitty is going to land eventually um and i and that's that's not a bad book i'm not not dissing that book at all but i like that this is the book about um this has become the book about a tiny little found family doing tiny little found family stuff and it becomes a more intimate book it's it's one of the things that i like um, I'm always very interested in the way that when written correctly, a book like New Mutants is compared to a book like X-Men, mm -hmm. because even once they're grown, like in the more recent incarnations of New Mutants, where they're all adults, they're still just kids who grew up together. And the relationship between 
I'm going to pick ones that don't even get along as well. The relationship between Ilyana and Rain, who are not the best of friends, but who understand each other as a sort of bickering, we grew up in the same friend group and this is our relationship, is very different than the relationship between Storm and Psylocke, who met as adults. Or, you know, and and the original five X-Men, they don't get to have that because they didn't, you know, because it's just a different kind of story and there's only five of them. And the later X-Men definitely don't get to have that. So I like that Excalibur can be that sort of team that is a different kind of a different kind of beast than what the X-Men is. And I would have tried to return to that. Mm-hmm. Even if I put new characters in, you know, may, maybe Rain stays along, maybe D- Doug Lock comes from, maybe Oyana comes back, or 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 bring Danny Moonstar in, like whatever, you know, you can you can you can sw- you can swap swap people out, but I want the concept to be more of a look. We're just gonna we're gonna do our own thing over here. We're gonna find it. It's, it's the West Coast Avengers of of mm-hmm, of what mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. How about you, Andrew? Uh, I think I would have really liked to see the book um, move beyond the sort of simulacrum of, of British culture mm-hmm. uh, and go into mainland Europe a little bit more, because I, I think those cultural clashes would have been very interesting to explore, especially with the different composition of the group and, and the way that that could play off character dynamics. Uh, I would have really liked to see that. I think anytime they did go any further east than Paris, it, Europe is literally a forest or a mountain. <laughs> like, like, that's yeah. it. Uh, I, I think, I don't know, there would have been something, you know, educational and sort of travel log, like the early Claremont run on X-Men. Um, and as I said, all these really cool opportunities to create um, um, cultural conflict within the group. That would have been fun for me. Uh, I would have enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, we did have another question about, like, who would we add to the team, you know, for interest, particularly perhaps in the interest of diversifying the team a little bit. And um I don't know. I was thinking of Manet as a character that could potentially do that and give them some different Mm -hmm. sort of cultures and localities to explore as well, in addition to just being awesome and good at punching things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I definitely... I get the impulse to have them go back to the X-Men because there's so many relationships there that I have been missing. I mean, you know, Kurt's relationships with Aurora and Logan. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love those relationships and to not have them can be tough, but yeah, things didn't go well for Kitty and Kurt when they went back to the X Men. You know, they become we'll talk about we'll talk again. about it. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they get regressed a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's exactly. it's really tough to read as an Excalibur fan, and then you get Kurt becoming a priest two years after he goes back, which is is it really only two years? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tough compared to the sex first context of Excalibur going yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Um. But, yeah, I would have wanted there to be, you know, I don't know where I would have it located, but some sort of like European X-Men team, some team that allows you to kind of talk about the complexity of the mutant metaphor in other cultural contexts and, mm-hmm. you know, have a creative team that could do that justice, not mm-hmm. really having Ben Robb just write people saying bloke and chappy and thinking that <laughs> means it's British. Uh, that would be nice because we haven't had a real sense of authenticity. I mean, we've never had, I mean, as Andrew said, it's always kind of playing with that simulacrum of, of the UK. So it's not that we've had like a quote unquote authentic version of something. Although, you know, I think Sean Gilmore was talking about this when he was on the pod. There was like a British cultural sensibility to some of the humor in the book early on, which I think yeah, is very is Monty valid. Python. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, talked about stuff like Dan Dare references and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, I, I definitely would have wanted there to be an X-Men team that was still sort of off on its own in like one of those other locales. I mean, you know, speaking as a Canadian Alpha Flight, it's never really been that for me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I've been slagging Alpha Flight a lot lately. Yeah, I apologize. Slice of life comic Alpha Flight. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, anyway um final question and this is like a tricky one because i know i but i did thought think we'll we'll you know let people in on some of the convos that we've had about it um so nick james on twitter asks do you all have plans for another deep dive podcast like this after excalibur x related or otherwise and we have talked about it I I mean I mean I guess like I don't want to close anything off. I I think that we're pretty set that we're not going to continue with other versions of Excalibur. I mean not to speak not to speak for everybody, but I I like I think we all had a particular affection for the Claremont Davis yes. Excalibur, and that sure. is sort of why we did this podcast. And mm -hmm. it's not that we haven't enjoyed other conversations we've had subsequent to that, but I oh, yeah. other versions of Excalibur don't have that same place in my heart that would motivate me to spend like six to eight hours a week um, organizing a podcast about them and editing it and making a website and paying for it and doing all of that stuff. So I'll say what you're not I'm saying. Not, One yeah. of them I find quite bad, in fact. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a few of them that, yes. you know, we, we get a continuation of some of Ben Robb's stories and I, I've, I've put in my dues. I'm, I'm, I tried to be nice and I've been increasingly less nice, but I, I, I can't y'all. I, I, I can't. So I feel like to me, that's a little bit off the table and I apologize to anybody who's disappointed about that, but we have talked about various things. We have talked about doing a companion book to the podcast. We've just all been too busy, but we'll see whether we get back to that. I mean, I don't know. There's there's been various convos that we've had, but yeah. we'll we'll see where we end up. I'm the sure problem... we'll all end up working together again yeah. in some because the problem is I'm like I really need full disclosure a little <laughs> bit of a break because this has been a marathon and uh -huh. I need to focus on a few other things for at least a few months after we wrap this up. But um after that, because I'm gonna I... miss you guys yeah. so much, I'm sure we'll find ways to work together again. Oh that's what I'll, I'll miss. Say... I'll miss the I'll miss the hanging out with you guys, but not so much the <laughs> editing. So like it, it, yeah, I will say. So I, I've, I've got another show, um, so you can catch me whenever you want. Um, but the uh, my other show is way more loosey-goosey than this one. And by design, it's supposed to be. like So my other show, is the entire premise of it was, this is how my nerdy friends and I are when we hang out at a bar after conferences. Like, that's, that's what Vox Pop is supposed to be. Um, there is a lot more prep work that goes into doing an episode of GGW oh, yeah. and there is a, a, a Vox Pop and um, Anna does all of it. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if this podcast. Yeah, I don't are, know if people and and don't know. Yeah, we show up. Andrew and I show up every week and, and I, I, I love the show, but like Anna does the booking and uh, writes the, um, the synopsis um, mm -hmm. comes up with the, the schedule and then edits it after we've recorded. Literally, we're on air talent, and I adore it, and I love it. But we can't just talent. Yeah, sure. Um, but we can. But it's not. It's not something that. For just... those on audio, Andrew was doing air quotes. <laughs> yes. It's it's hard to just kind of do. I love this format, and uh, I mean, like I've talked about this. Uh, I've talked about this with, with other people. Like there are other books that I love just as much as this. I could, we we talked about it on the air. I could easily do one of these for Gen X 
um generation x because i adore the book gen x um new mutants I'd, yeah well yeah and oddly enough with gen x though is it's interesting because you know the person who i think is the best gen x writer is someone that yeah. we kind of diss a lot on this show but like <laughs> his work on that book is absolutely amazing and i and i really really adore it so part of me wants to do that um i am a huge teen titans fan mm. and i could totally go now so much so that i've read i like if i were going to do teen titans unlike this book where we started with um with uh um the the best part and then sort of it it's unfortunately got to be downhill after claremont leaves because that was like sort of the part our all of our favorite part is the beginning of it so that it was weird whereas teen titans um i'll be honest about it the beginning of teen titans is bad it takes decades for it to actually get good and i would do all of it i'd start in the bad part and go all the way, <laughs> go oh, all the way why no because I actually think oh, it's interesting. Because uh, no, because I think it's actually interesting. I think that the runs before Perez are actually interesting. But it's so much work to just do this format. To I don't know when I would ever actually do that. Um, like we've uh, I, I, or who I'd want to do it with. It's it's just I I know people who do um who do movies by minute podcasts. Um, uh, Andrew Dorowski, who is the brother of Joe and John, who's both been on this show. Andrew's not been on the show. He does these Disney movies by minute with his wife, Kestra, and I've been on that show. Um, and the amount of intricate work that Kestra Dorowski puts into just researching one minute of The Little Mermaid, it's insane. And I can't do that. Like, I, I mean, I've got a PhD and I can't do that. And I, and, I, and I mean that quite honestly. So I don't know, like, this is a thing that I could do, but it takes up so much work and, you know, we got jobs, yo. <laughs> it's, like, I don't, I don't know. So, so I don't know the answer. I mean, I would love to do it because I actually enjoy this a lot. And I enjoy talking to the two of you every week a lot, um, which I'll still do, but it won't be fun for anybody else because, you know, like no one else has, the, you know, like like if we don't broadcast them. So like I don't I don't know. Um, maybe something. Okay, the the idea for this podcast came up in a messenger chain, so we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I don't even want to say it because I don't know that this is going to be what I'm doing. But I've mentioned the She-Hulk book contract mm -hmm. on the pod before, and it did occur to me that maybe a companion podcast while I'm working on that project would be. Mm -hmm. Something would you start at the beginning or would you start at sensational? Same thing. Because I don't think I'd go. I don't think I'd go issue by issue. I think maybe I'd go yeah. groups or story arcs. Okay. To, so because be quite so much to cover. Because we'll sensational She-Hawk is very similar to this. Sensational mm -hmm. She-Hawk. The the high point is Burn's run, and Burn is a very problematic ind individual who has a brilliant run on that book. That is mm -hmm. interrupted mm -hmm. a lot earlier than I think people remember it being. It seems like there's a lot more more to it than than there is. Yeah, but then he comes back. So, but then anyway. he comes back. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's very similar to what we did here. Is what I was getting getting at with mm -hmm. um with mm -hmm. with Davis and Claire. So is. I could see that. But then also, there's a, I think there's a lot of because you've got to write a book about it, so you're going to have to deal with like you know the savage she hawk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've read all of it, so we'll mm -hmm. see. Anyway, that's something that I wanted people to just sort of look out for in case it happens. For now, I think we are going to wrap up this version of the holiday special, mm -hmm. our last holiday special. Like uh, thank you, thank you all so much for for tuning in. And, and you're are you raising your hand? Stupid allegory. 
just, just related to what we were talking about. I haven't mentioned this to either of you, but I had this in my head because I was raised on TV. Um, don't read too much into that. And my love of Megan, I'm sure that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> the analogy that I would make to GGW wrapping up, if you ever watch a sitcom where you have like a group of people together for a long time and the show is like the gang and they all get together and talking, the way they always end those stories is that the, the central character goes and finds a new life with someone else kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Anna has this awesome relationship with Adam who is this amazing person in the ex-Twitter community. So in, in my stupid, again, sitcom deformed head, all I'm thinking is I'm just really excited to see what Anna and Adam could do together because I think that would be really, really cool. So do you want her to go off and do Joey? Is that what you're asking for? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because that, That's the side character. A Anna is the lead of GGW. We all agree okay. on this. <laughs> just like a bigger and, and better show. <laughs> bigger and better i don't know about that i don't see what could possibly be bigger and better than what we've achieved in talking about 126 plus issues of excalibur with the two of you but i appreciate that <laughs> all right we will wrap things up there that's um, a complete non-answer for anybody i can't possibly be satisfied so the answer is we don't know is the like i think that's to answer um his question uh we'll do something maybe Follow us on twitter Maybe me yelling, hey, hi, in the background of Battle of the Atom for a while. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens after that. Um, so, yes, we'll be back, um, I think, next week, unless we take a week off. We'll see how that shakes out. But in any case, the next issue we'll be talking about will be 121, uh, the Sabra issue. We had a great conversation about that. Looking forward to getting that one out in the world. And then we will continue apace with our last few episodes. In the meantime, if you liked what you heard, please follow us, like, and review the podcast wherever you're watching it or listening to it you can wow i was like i thought i could do this like without looking at it because like surely i've been saying this outro enough times that i should have it memorized and yet it's just sounds in my head um you can find us at our website goshgollywow.com where we've got some fun extras and of course via twitter slash x and blue sky at goshgollywow where we're usually posting daily pages and whatever we're reading and more fun extras thank you mav and andrew for another cheerful holiday conversation um what a lovely way to end the year by hanging out with the two of you for a while and talking or one of our favorite comics even when it's not one of our favorite comics <laughs> and um as always special thanks to maximilian of thought Form music for a truly epic theme song and an extra special thanks to all of you for your questions see everybody later happy holidays bye all right